Anticipate Media proudly presents another episode of the Neat Creative Brief Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is episode six for Tuesday, January 19th, 2016. This is the fourth or fifth time I've tried to record this episode. Um, regarding the Sony FS5, and uh, I went through many permutations after reading everything online. Uh, as a follow-up to the kind of explosion uh, of discontent that uh, I helped create online for this camera. Um, I'll keep this very short. And all the images I've shot, which have been well-lit images or indoor images with natural lighting, uh, interviews that had to use natural light, they all look good. They really look good on a 4K screen or a large television where some of the image processing kind of cleans some of that up natively anyway. Um, they look good. I can recreate the banding and the skies and so forth if I try by heavily grading or um, in some cases where it's just underexposed um, or there's wide areas of like low contrast gradients like a wall or something like that. Um, but that was also true with the C100 without a recorder where I found there was a lot of macro blocking, mostly color noise. It was really, it was color noise. The FS5 seems to be prone to banding and lots of macro blocking in some scenarios like that. Wide, clear swaths of color um, with uh, shallow gradients, that kind of thing. Not in your typical scenes. Yeah, honest to God, you don't notice it in your typical scenes at all. It looks just, you know, it looks to the audience, it looks like an F, uh, S7, especially if you add a little bit of grain to it to kind of dirty it up. Um, I looked at some more test shots tonight of the A7R2 and A7S2, A7R2 in full frame mode. And while it wasn't quite as objectionable as the FS5, the same kind of banding and macro blocking existed in both those cameras at native ISO. Uh, in a shot that uh, you can see screenshots in the last episode's show notes, that shot with the gentleman sitting there with the camera to his left, um, the, uh, the kind of like a blue lit, lightly blue lit wall. Blue is a tough uh, channel of color. It shows noise very well, so that was maybe probably part of the problem. If you expose this camera properly, which essentially I'd recommend to the right as far as you can uh, without clipping your highlights, even if you shoot at slog, um, you're going to be fine in most scenarios. Where it will break down for you and where the FS7's XAVC-I will look better uh, and, and, and other cameras uh, will look better is um, in the areas I described. Lots of uh, you know, clear sky or s some sunsets. And anything with low noise, do not gain up on this camera past ISO 3200, which is 0 dB in S-Log, or 1,000 in Cine. It's a mess. I, I did some experimenting and noticed that there is some streaking on edges although not nearly as bad in digital and as objectionable as the FS5, even on the A7R2, when you get to very high ISOs like 12,800 in Super 35 mode. 
the A7R2's noise looks better in Super 35 mode, and I think that downsampling is helping to smooth out some of these artifacts. So the statement that all 8-bit codecs look bad uh, or can look bad is not necessarily true because they don't look as bad on the C100. They certainly don't look as bad as on the C300, although that has more color information. Um, but there is some truth that you're going to get banding and artifacts in 8-bit cameras and S-Log. It's true. I guess the, the chief complaint is in the marketing. Um, and when you shoot an image over 3200 ISO, so you gain up at all, the other cameras, the RX100 and the A7S2 and the A7R2, and of course the FS7, but let's take that out of the equation for a minute, they all look significantly better. It's like the noise reduction in those cameras is not as aggressive. So they leave more noise in there and then you don't get that temporal kind of smearing on the noise that you're seeing in the FS5 so strongly. What I recommend they do uh, is add a user-selectable user noise reduction switch uh, a level, a low, medium, high like they have in the FS7. If you shoot the FS7 in high noise reduction in XAVCL using sh with a shallow gradient field in, in your um, field of view, uh, you're going to see similar artifacts. Not as aggressive as the FS5s, but they will be there. Um, and these artifacts show in shadows in an area where there's kind of like a low level of, of, of color or wide level of color. Shadows is the most prominent. Um, also note that on a television, it looks better because of the image processing on the television. My point is I stood, spent all night uh, skipping the gym, which is not what I like to do because I really like to go to the gym now because I'm a health nut now. Um, to look at all these images on a 40-inch uh, 4K TV, a 65-inch 4K TV, pixel peep up close, and and then I kind of sat back and watched as as a you know a general observer after I graded the the images and they look fine. The FS7 is cleaner. There's no doubt about it. You can shoot 6400 easy on that camera, 12,800 in a pinch. Uh, same thing with the A7R2, uh, up to 6400. 12,800 maybe in a pinch, maybe. Um, uh, but uh, really 6,400. So you can gain up on those cameras is my point. And they look good. They look good. Um, but the FS7 looks so clinical, I tend to add grain to it. The FS5 has kind of the grain built in. If you level, add a level of grain to both shots to kind of even them out, the audience will never see, especially after H.264 re-encoding for um, play, playback online, uh, and in most of the ways your clients were ever going to see this. For broadcast, I would not utilize the FS5 without a recorder because you really need it clean. Um, but then if you do add a recorder, you get almost the identical capabilities of the FS7 minus a couple of bits of color, um, which can hurt you, uh, you know, in grading a little bit. Um, and if you, when Sony turns on the raw output of the FS5 and you use a recorder like a Shogun or Odyssey to uh, downsample that into 10-bit ProRes from the 14-bit raw, it's going to look even better than the internal FS7 encoding because there's more data to work with. So it's not a bad camera. In good light, 
it's not a bad camera. The FS7 is better in lower light. The C300 and C100 are better still in lower light. C300 Mark One, by the way. C300 Mark II is closer to an, F, an FS7 F5. My chief complaint is in the way Sony handled the concerns in the marketing. Because the marketing says that the uh, camera is a grab-and-go, run-and-gun camera um, to use uh, shooting well beyond sunset and has uncompromising image quality. Uncompromised quality is what they say. These are quotes from their, um, their marketing pages. And in the behind-the-scenes video, it's frequently referred to as a baby FS7. Um, the arg- argument from many people online, or some people online, that it is not a baby FS7 is true. It's an 8-bit camera. There are limitations. It's true. Um, you shouldn't really expect to gain up. I don't really buy that one because people are documentarians and, they, and they're and they going to have to use natural light and they're going to have to gain up in, in scenes. Um, realizing it, it can get a little messy. Uh, and you should use a recorder or add noise reduction if you want it, you know, really want it clean and, and you cannot blast a lot of light at it or you, you, you really need quality shots. Of course, that negates the whole purpose of the camera, which is kind of a specialty run-and-gun little camera that gives you shallow depth of field. Also, cameras like the GH4 are far noisier and so forth. I think this comes down to a problem with marketing and a problem with the noise reduction. If Sony can, here's my suggestion if you're listening, Sony, and you probably are. If you can detune that noise reduction a little bit, make it a little bit less aggressive, or ideally give that option to the user to let them dial it down, we will probably accept more noise for less artifacting on the images like the A7R2, like the A7S2. Also... In doing so, you will remove the smearing, kind of digital smearing on out-of-focus edges, uh, especially horizontal out-of-focus edges that you see in the Cine Gamma modes and anything above 6400. Uh, the, the noise reduction is too strong. Just clean that up a little bit and let the user handle it in post and you're good to go. Um, the images in good light look great. The FS7 is a little cleaner, but you'd have to pixel people like the death to even notice the difference. Um, it's in those areas where you really have shallow color and so forth that I talked about earlier, where the FS7 is really going to make a difference. And if you really want to push and pull that grade, the two extra bits are, are a good difference. And this is all internal into the camera, so you don't have to strap a recorder on it like you do with the FS5 to get similar quality. And you will need the raw output on the FS5 to get the same quality. You know, down resin to progress. The second issue I have is with expectations. Sony is trying to fill all market segments of this camera. They listed on their website is a digital motion picture camera, aka cinema, in the same family with the FS7 at the FS700 at the low end, the FS5, the FS7, the F5, the F55, and the F65, I believe. These are all cinema motion picture large sensor cameras so don't tell me this is a news camera designed for you know news and it can be noisy and you know, strap a light on it you know you're, you're shooting uh, it's in the same family as their d- digital motion picture cinema cameras that's how they advertise it number two they advertise it as a run and gun uncompromised quality um baby fs7 this is all in their in their literature or in their uh, videos 
These are not true. There are compromises to quality when you shoot, you know, long gop, low bit rate, 4K, and, 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 and 8 bits. I mean, it's a fact, and everybody knows that. And the pricing is a little odd. I mean, personally, what I would have done was I would have taken the FS700 out of the mix entirely because it's kind of redundant now. I would have priced this thing at $4,500 to $5,000 maximum to have a wider swath of range between this and the FS7, which is a different camera. The FS7 is precisely in processing, in menu structure, in, in, in image, virtually identical to the FS5. The color science is a little different, but who the hell knows what causes that variance. It is essentially a 4K updated FS5. It's the same exact thing without the you know form factor and without the side um, panel and without the additional codecs beyond XAVC uh, and MPEG-2 that you can have in those cameras. But as far as MPEG, uh, XAVC eye shooting is, goes in the sensor and the image quality, it's the same exact camera. You know, with LUTs and, and, and independent audio tracks, and you can put four audio tracks on there, and you can assign them everywhere you want. And, you know, you can adjust your white balance and S-log and all that good stuff. Um, there's noise reduction in custom mode, and soon when uh, version 3.0 firmware comes out, much wanted firmware comes out soon, a couple weeks, um, there will be noise reduction in Cine EI as well, noise uh, reduction selectable that will help. It is an F5 in a smaller kind of shoulder package. Uh, when you go down $2,600 or whatever in price, um, I should do my math uh, correctly, $6,000, right, without any media or batteries except for the one it comes with minus uh, $5,600. Um, you're looking at a difference, I'm sorry, $8,000 U.S. minus $5,600. It is a $2,400 difference minus media. Media costs are much cheaper on the FS5 um, by, you know, uh, 6 to 1. Although the uh, XQD cards have come way down in price. You can buy Lexar 1333X cards, XQD cards, for about half the price of Sony cards, and they work great, by the way, just as a tip. Um, but the, the, the price variant is not that, it's not that wide. If you add a recorder to that with media, you are almost even. You're virtually even to the price of the FS7. So it comes down to what are you going to use the camera for? The FS7 can be a run-and-gun camera primarily on a shoulder. The FS5 is much smaller, much easier to get in all kinds of strange situations. It's a kind of like camcorder-ish, hold-in-front-of-you style shooting that the C300 had as well, by the way. And that was also great for documentary work. It was a taller camera, so you couldn't do as much with it, but you could rotate the, the screen and do all kinds of things with the grip, and that's why I loved shooting with it. The FS7, not really. It's a shoulder cam. You can kind of put it in front of you for short amounts of time with the kind of grip out to the side, but it's, it's clunky to use that way, and you can't really easily rotate the LCD around, and there's no EVF on the back at all because it uses the loop on the LCD. So it's not quite as good, although you can do it. It's not quite as efficient. Where the FS5 is tailor-made, that body's tailor-made to do that kind of thing. 
Um, it is also, uh, so it's good for a dock and run and gun if you have decent lighting or fast lenses. They do not gain up on this camera because the temporal noise reduction just kicks you in the ass and ruins it. And I think that's the technical problem that Sony needs to focus on. That's it. That's it, Sony. That's it. Just tweak it a little bit. You'll probably be good to go. Yeah, it'll be a little bit noisier, but it won't look digitally messy as it does today compared to your other cameras. Um, and then the second camera is it is a cinema camera when you add a recorder onto it, um, especially when they enable the raw output. You, know, you can get a full cinema camera, A cam quality that you could put together in a package and use instead of an FS7 or F5. So the marketing is a little confused. I think the expectation when people got this camera moving up from, say, a Sony A7S was that the image would be similar, but you would have a true you know, DSLR, uh, you move from the DSLR kind of form factor into a true video camera. Um, like the C300 was a big increase in, in, in oh, the C100, let me, go, let me go back, C100, big increase in capability, the images looked better, and it had kind of like better DSLR-ish form factor, but, you know, a modern true video camera. This camera in certain low-light situations and all the other situations I described with shallow gradients and so forth, doesn't quite match up quite it's close it's close folks but it's it doesn't quite get to where the a7s and a7r2 can internally for um you know twenty six hundred dollars cheaper uh, and that is is a caveat because you can shoot low light with those cameras and, and gain up and you're not it's gets noisy yeah but you, you can you don't see any weird smearing or blocking as as you do in the FS5, it's not as bad. Um, so I can see how both sides here, and it's turned into sides. The internet's a strange place. I had someone actually write me, a Sony independent certified engineer, write me 15 pages of vitriol in, in an email. It wasn't 15 pages, but it felt like it. Telling me things like, you are not important. How dare you, you know, question me, and on and on. Just like high and mighty bullshit about a camera give me a break um but i can see how people can get frustrated because it looks like attacks on both sides of people's integrity you don't know how to use the camera you're expecting the wrong thing and so forth and the other people saying but it should look better than the a7r2 why do we have to make compromises and everybody kind of starts button heads i never intended for all that well, i think sony should stop blaming their users it is insensitive it is disingenuous. They should have put a statement out that we are going to investigate all reports of image concerns. And should we find a pattern or a technical solution, we will address it. Uh, we are working to, to discover what the, the, the um, issues are. Um, the way the, wor the wording they put out, it's perception, perceived issues. And if we discover facts, we'll find them out is a little... It smarts a little bit because it's kind of saying you people don't know how to use the camera. Well, Sony, if you position the camera a little bit lower in price and were a little bit more succinct that it is not a cinema A cam in some situations, and you're close in the marketing, but you kind of go overboard saying it's uncompromising image quality and it's a baby FS7. If you kind of adjust that a little bit, and then have all your certified experts explain that when they do all these presentations and so forth. When you do your presentations, when you send Juan Martinez out to do his thing, that you explain that, you know, 
You can shoot 4K in good light, and if you expose correctly, it's going to look very good. It's going to have that Sony cinema quality to it. But if you try to gain up, uh, we have very strong temporal noise reduction, and, and you're going to see some artifacts that you may want to avoid. Um, be honest with people. It's not what the camera's for, and you'll be fine. It's a level of expectation that was set inappropriately. It was a marketing blunder. But the camera's still a very good camera. Now, there are other cameras coming out, like the um, Blackmagic um, Ursa Mini 4.6K, the 4.6. I've seen some images from that thing that make me want to toss the FS5 into the trash and run and buy that thing, even though I hate the fact that it doesn't have NDs. I hate the fact that it's like a heavy Cylon kind of camera with pretty lousy looking design and and uh, the fact that it hasn't come out uh three quarters of a year after it was announced black magic man come on but at least they're spending the time getting it right i gotta give them credit for that the images look really good but again they're brightly lit images i mean we haven't really seen any significant low light anything from this camera that could probably be messy too black magic's history uh and sensor technologies is a lot of fixed pattern noise which you Fixed pattern noise is the worst, and you don't even see that on Sony's cameras. But um, there are options there, and I like that they're fighting it out to make better cameras. Sony is really pushing the technological envelope. I think they pushed it a little too far in the FS5. It is still a very good camera for what it is, but as a producer, and here's my bottom line, if someone came to me to shoot with the FS5 and I knew that we were going to be doing documentary work where we had varying levels of light, natural light, we couldn't light it... Um, and that, those kind of situations or we're shooting uh, against the screen that's backlit or any of those situations where the kind of codec falls apart, um, I would tell them, you put a recorder on that thing or don't bother because I am not going to deal with rendering neat video for 10 hours uh, on this Mac Pro to clean that mess up. Um, for most of the other scenes, it's going to be fine. I'll add a little grain and we'll call it a day. Um, and, and that's where it could get you bit in the ass because uh, there is some there is some minor truth to you really need to know how to use the camera and expose it correctly. And I've seen a lot of shots of people just messing around in their backyards and so forth with this camera, doing slow-mo and not lighting it, where it's just a blocky, digitally disaster. Um, you, you, need, you need to know how to work around the footage. Um, if you do, you can get some really nice stuff out of it. But it will never be as clean as the FS7's internal recording because that is two and a half more times more bit rate at the minimum and two more bits of color and uh, twice as much color resolution, all internal. It's just smoother, man. That's what you're going to get. So that's it. I don't want to talk about this camera anymore, except that I like it. It puts out good images, but there are caveats like every other camera out there. It's not what I would use for broadcast, you know, or or, or Hollywood quality uh, imagery as an A cam without a recorder. But you can get there with a recorder. Um, for um, B cam, I would not use it for interviews without a recorder. But if you're covering events and so forth and you're not going low light, you can keep that gain at zero. It's going to look pretty damn good. And any kind of shots where you're following or running around after somebody or it's kind of reality TV or news or anything like that. and But you still want kind of a modicum of like control in your shallow depth of field to be able to highlight your subjects and kind of just have a nice wide dynamic range cinematic kind of look. 
um, and you don't really care about noise and artifacts that much because you're either going to clean it up and post or just you want it to look raw and gritty. It's going to do great even then. Um, it's just a matter of expectations. I think we're set poorly with this camera. And uh, Sony should adjust their marketing a little bit. That's it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Like ever again. I'll put up footage and I won't even tell you what camera it is and you can guess. You probably won't be able to figure it out. The FS7 is the cleanest. Then after that, it's like, I don't know. Which camera? Is that the RX100? Is that the A7R2? I don't know. They're all great. They're all going to get better. If I had to say, what camera will last me four years until like HDR becomes a big deal? Uh, Ultra HD premium becomes a big deal. I would say the FS7 has legs. It's robust. It's built well. It keeps getting updated. The images are clean and solid. If you bought an F5 years ago, it's still good today, and it'll still be great four years from now. I mean, that thing will last as 4K delivery starts to come online. Um, and uh, frankly, they have high enough dynamic range that you can, uh, and their gamuts are high enough, they're wide enough that they translate pretty well to Rec 2020, so they'll look good on some of the new screens too. FS7, you really don't need to buy another camera if you're in that kind of independent uh, film space. A7R2 and A7S2 are going to continue to improve. I don't know if their images are going to get much better, um, but they're very kind of completist cameras as they are right now. But you know, there's always room for improvement there. Better codec, I don't know. Um, but I see that lasting for a while, especially in the still side. The FS5 is the only one where I can see I'd be changing that out quickly, maybe within a year or two. Because inevitably, Sony will come out with the FS6 which allows you on high-speed XD cards to record 200 megabit XAVC-S. Or they put the XAVC-I in there, but they take out the 60 frames per second and the continuous slow-mo to kind of, you know, kind of differentiate a little bit from the FS7. Um, I, I do think technology is going to march on in short order and make these kind of 8-bit 4K cameras... Um, redundant and, and 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 lacking because people will not want to spend the time the money and the budgets to clean them up after the fact uh in post they will not want to deal with the time when you buy anything when you invest in any tool it's a triad of expectations uh call it the opportunity cost pyramid i did not invent this fast cheap good pick two Fast, cheap, good, pick two. If you want something very cheap, like a slider that's extremely cheap, and uh, you can set it up quickly because it's small, you can get that. But it might not be very good. You might have to do your slides uh, 10 times to get a nice shot without any like wobbling. Um, if you get a camera that is um, very good and very fast, like a C300 Mark II, the 4K images are incredible, the HD is even better, 444, extremely high bit rates, wonderful. It's uh, ergonomic, it's great for running around and, and documentary work and news work and reality TV work and, and cinema work, frankly, it's pretty good too. Um, it has some compromises with the slow-mo, but it's still very, very good camera. It's great. It's Fast, you can work fast with it, and you can get very good results, but it's not cheap. 
the FS7 is uh, relatively cheap and it's good, but it's not fast. It's got a clunky menu system that's slow. It doesn't have that side panel menu to, to really um, negate a lot of the slowness in the, in the menu system that you were forced to use on that, in that horrible viewfinder loop thing. You know, it, it, it slows you down. It's, it's clunky to operate. You have to learn how to kind of work around that. Um, but it's good and it's relatively cheap. Uh, the FS5 is uh, cheap and fast. It's small, it's agile, it's got the variable ND, you can run around and do stuff and everything else, but it's not always good. You have some image stuff to work through. Um, and you can go on and on. There's, there's always a limitation somewhere in that triad. It's gonna, you're going to get something that takes you a lot of time to fix things after the fact, or you have to do multiple takes, or it's going to be look great and it's going to be cheap, but it's going to be slow, or it's going to be good and it's going to be fast, but it's going to cost you a lot of money. That's like Hollywood quality. When you pay for a techno crane, it's a one take kind of deal. You know you're going to get a good shot. You know what I mean? When you pay a lot of money for an actor or an actress that's been doing this for a long, long time, you're going to get a good result and they're going to do it like that, uh, but it's going to cost you a lot of money. You know, it's just how it works. So uh, the FS5 is, is subject to those a triad like anything else. Every product, you can look at it that way, and it's a good assessment. And you really need to try these things out. On paper doesn't mean shit, because the C300 on paper kind of looked lousy, even for the time it was introduced. What? The F3 is better from Sony. Why the fuck would I pay all that money? But it turned out to be an incredible camera. The images still look great. I've shot some of the best of my life on that camera. Wonderful camera, you know? So look at the triad. That's where I'm coming with this. Couple tweaks, Sony. You're very good at updating your firmware. Um, clarify your marketing a bit. Consider where you're pricing it, and stop attacking the user so angrily uh, with your representatives. I think you'll be okay. Or if you you want to deal with none of this nonsense, just go buy a Canon and be done with it. <laughs> No weird arguments about S-Log and where you got to put your scopes and how you get the right LUT to get the, the, the skin tones right. Not, you fucking buy it, you turn it on, you shoot, you're good to go. It's going to cost you, though. Opportunity costs. So uh, that's it, folks. Thank you for listening so much. Um, in the future, we're going to talk tech, of course, but we're going to start talking about what you do with these cameras. You know, what are we going to make? We need to be creative and not just be geeky. So uh, I'm going to talk about using this stuff in the real world, capturing people, uh, lighting, um, story, um, scripting, like I talked about earlier in one of the first episodes, that how far will you go to research a script and would you actually hurt someone in the real world as part of your research to get an authentic story? I mean, there are lots of things to consider here and lots of variables and vectors when you create things that, you know, that you could, you could cause problems too or you could learn something you never learned before um well oftentimes when you shoot a documentary you become kind of part of the story as you follow it and you are amazed at some of the things you learn and experience yourself just watching other people do the same thing so lots of subjects we can talk about and i will intermix it with a lot of fun geek talk because hey, it's fun it's fun fun to talk about what what technology enables us to do but ultimately my friend steve weiss is a kudo was right the camera ultimately they're all good enough now it doesn't really fucking matter to quote him finally
I just want to note that the style of this podcast is like me and you sitting down shooting the shit over a beer. It is not like a super polished, like, entertainment tonight style show. That's not what I want to do here. And that's not what people have been asking me for. They've been asking for raw opinion. I don't swear when I talk to my clients. I don't s- try not to swear at work um, in my day job where I also uh, do video work and, and so forth. But I, you, you, it's responsible for very large projects and, and you have to be uh, professional. However, when the lights go down, when everybody's done offset 12 hours, everybody's tired, they go out, have a beer, the crew, people start talking real. So that's the style. That's kind of like the character that I'm doing here is it's me, but it's like the real gritty, you know, what the fuck kind of style. Um, I don't recommend you talk like that in front of your clients, but when you're sitting down after the fact, it's okay. And that's what we're going for here. Raw, kind of gritty, funny, um, honest, and, uh, with lots of geek and, and passion and emotion for making images and telling stories thrown in there. Um, it drives me, it moves me. I love it. I just fucking love it, man. Cheers. I wish I had a, like a, a thing to clink, like a beer clink, you know? Cheers, and we'll talk to you soon.